We are continuing in our prophet series, and today we are looking at Huldah, and I want an honest answer. Before this sermon series, how many of you knew there was a Huldah in the Bible? Raise your hands nice and high. Yeah, there we go. Nancy, retired pastor. Good job, Nancy. You know, when Lori Eldridge brought this sermon series to me and she gave me a list of all of the, the people to preach on because I let her choose the Old Testament prophets. See, the criteria is they need to be listed as a prophet in Scripture. It came to Huldah and I said, Huldah? And then I was like, oh, I went back and looked. I go, oh, yeah, okay, yes, I know that story. You see, Huldah is a very brief story. I only found two places in Scripture. And the one that we're looking at is in 2 Kings chapter 22. I'm going to be reading verse 8 and then also verses 14 through 20. So if you have your Bibles turned there, which is also found in 2 Chronicles, much the same story. The Chronicles and Kings versions are just two different perspectives on the same story in the same time. So what's good about today's prophet is you will learn the whole story. You know, sometimes like if we're preaching on Jeremiah and I say, if you're not familiar enough with Jeremiah, please go back and read the book of Jeremiah. That is quite an undertaking and it's something important to do. And I hope and pray that we do keep up on all of those things. But also I want to make sure that when we come to a text like this, that you understand this is the entirety of what we hear and what we find about Hulda. And so we look at her stories today. I'm calling her Grandma Hulda. And I, it's not that the Bible tells us she's a grandmother, but hopefully by the end of the, pa- the message you'll see why I'm comparing her to what it is to be a grandparent. Now, if you haven't noticed, I'm a grandfather. Did anybody here realize that? If not, we could do a slideshow of the two cutest grandchildren in the world. Or after worship, if you'd just like to meet them, we'd be happy to hold them out front and you guys can see them. And we can figure out who the second best-looking grandchildren are in the world. One of the things I was told when I first became a grandparent is you're going to bore everybody with pictures of your grandchildren. And I said, well, that can't be true because they haven't seen my grandchildren yet. Maybe people get bored with other people's grandchildren, but never ours. But yes, lo and behold, we do have beautiful little Ruby and Henry. And life as a grandparent I knew was going to be different than being a parent, and it is. It's very different. As a parent, there are things that we really do take responsibility for our children, as grandparents, we don't have to. We, we get to see our kids taking that responsibility. Yes, some of it is payback, but more often what really happens is we just have an admiration for our children and see how hard they work and really appreciate that. And a lot of what we do as grandparents is we work to make sure that the parents always are supported and that the grandchildren understand what awesome parents they have and how much their, their parents li- love them. And it's a different role than being a parent. It's really more of a perspective role where we sit back and we wait for children to come to us, to talk to us, and we don't have the responsibilities that we have as parents. True? This is a different role. But on the other hand, as grandparents, we have a deep love and a deep concern for children. And grandparent relationships can be very special. I know I only had one grandparent. Three of them had passed away before I was born, and I deeply value my grandmother, and I'm going to talk about her a little bit in our message. The reason I say this is because God doesn't have grandchildren. Do you ever think about that? God does not have grandchildren. God has children. Our relationship with God is our relationship with God. 
It's a personal relationship. Now, we want our children to come to faith, but they still are not spiritual grandchildren. They're still children. They have that direct relationship with their Heavenly Father. So I would like to suggest that we can be spiritual grandchildren to all the people that we know, not just to kids, but to everyone. And it's an awesome way of looking at our relationship with others to start thinking of ourselves as being the ones who introduce people to Christ and do what we can to encourage and nurture their relationship. And as I read Huldah's story, this prophetess from the Old Testament, I think she very much acts like a grandparent to the people she comes in contact with. Prophets can be wonderful grandparents. And you today, so you don't miss the main point of my message, you are a prophet. Hear that? You're God's prophet to this world. We have a hurting world out there who needs to hear of God's love, needs to hear of Christ's forgiveness, needs to hear that God's working in their lives. And you have a special role in that as a prophet, but do it in a grandparenting kind of way, in a good grandparenting, in a loving grandparenting kind of way. Hulda lived 2,600 years ago. It's a long time ago. She lived during the reign of King Josiah, and Josiah, we know, was one of the great reformers of Judah. It was a time in which Israel and Judah had separated into two countries, and this is a southern country. And life was difficult, to put it mildly, during the reign and the beginning of the reign of King Josiah, and that's because in um, 2 Kings 21, we hear how the people had deserted God. They didn't worship God. They worshiped pagan idols. They quit reading the scripture. And that not only happened for the father of Josiah, that had happened with the grandfather of Josiah. So for two generations, a nation of Judah had turned their backs completely on God. Then King Josiah came to the throne. What's interesting, he was only eight years old when he ascended to be the king. Now, why does an eight-year-old come to be the king? Well, because, again, if you go back and you read 2 Kings 21, things were so bad that there was an uprising and his father was murdered. And now this little kid becomes king. And now we pick up the story 18 years later where Josiah is now 26 years old and he was probably like a pastor would be and he looked around in his kingdom and he said, oh, we got the temple, we got some problems in the temple, we need to do repairs. You have no idea how many times I come walking over here to the building and I go, well, that needs to be fixed and that needs to be fixed. And what is the first question we ask when we have repairs to a church building? Money, exactly. Well, so King Josiah does the same thing. And so we enter, he sends Hilkiah, the, the head priest, into the temple and he says, go see how much money we have there. Go search everywhere you can. And Hilkiah goes around and he's searching to, you know, open up a cupboard and say, oh, we found 50 cents here. That'll get us something, but not much. And lo and behold, the priest, the head priest is going, and he sees something over there. It's not a book, but it's a scroll, and he dusts it off, and he goes, what in the world is this? It's a Bible. <laughs> Hear that? That's how far this nation had fallen. They didn't even know where the scriptures were. And then when they find it, they're like, what in the world is this thing, this old book that we found here? And he dusts it off, and he, he gives it to his scribe, and the scribe reads it and goes, this is amazing. And he takes it to King Josiah, and King Josiah says, read it to me. And then this scribe reads the scripture that hasn't been read for two generations, completely out of the nation, 
which is not how they're supposed to live. These people are supposed to be living according to God's word, just like we're supposed to be living according to God's word. And the king is just struck with grief. He rips his clothes. He repents. He goes, this is what's wrong. We haven't been living the way God wants us to live. And he gets very sorrowful for, for the wickedness. He, just, he, he hears the scriptures and he goes, oh my goodness, no wonder things aren't going well in this land of ours. We're not living the way God wants us to live. And when we live the wrong way, bad things happen, amen? I don't want to drive 25 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. I want to go 100 miles an hour. I'll be okay, right? I don't want to be kind and loving and forgiving to people. I want to hold grudges and resentments and let everybody know how mad I am at them. God's going to bless that, right? Well, that's pretty much what happened in the nation of Judah. Rather than living faithfully and living the way that they should be living, they had not been living according to God's word, and not living according to God's word meant that when Josiah heard the scriptures read, he realized what was wrong, he repented, and now what do we do with all this information? And so they think about it, and they go to a woman named Huldah. They go, well, you know, there is this, there's this old lady who, who lives here, and, and she prays all the time, and she seems to have a relationship with God. Nobody else does, so let's go talk to her. And that's what they do. And they go to Huldah, who's a prophetess. Now, can we imagine a society without God? Anybody kind of imagine that? or people who don't believe the Bible? Kind of hard to think about, isn't it? None of us live in a world like that, do we? Don't we live in a world where everybody is just a faithful Christian and everybody's following God and following God's Word? How about a temple or a church where the Scriptures aren't read? Can we imagine such a thing? I think, unfortunately, as we read the story of Josiah, we're a lot closer to that world then maybe we would even like to admit that the society that Josiah inherits and when they go and they talk to Huldah is much like the world that we live in. I was doing a wedding a number of years ago for a young person who asked me, and this happens from time to time, the family had moved away and they asked me if I would come back and do a wedding. Well, it wasn't going to be at a church I'd served. They'd, they had rented another church. And again, that's not an unusual thing to to take place at this beautiful church that we were going to have the service in. And so I was getting ready to leave. I was living here in, in Plymouth at the time, and I took my Bible, and I thought, it's really hot, and I don't want to take my Bible and have it sitting out in the sun because putting it in the car, you know, the sun can beat down on it, and that's not always good for leather. So I thought, I'll just borrow a Bible when I get to the church. That's a logical conclusion, right? So I drive to the church, and I get there an hour ahead of time, we're all prepared for the, the wedding. We've done everything before. And I look for a pew Bible. And there's no pandemic, so nobody's asked people to put the pew Bibles away, but there was no Bible. So I went to the pulpit and couldn't find a Bible there and looked on the altar and there was no Bible. So I went to the Sunday school room. There were no Bibles in the Sunday school room. I thought, this is interesting. So I went to the office and I said, I'm looking for a Bible, and the secretary, they were open that day, said to me, gee, I'm not sure if we have one of those around here. Now, if I was the wrong kind of prophet, I guess I could have started railing on people. What do you mean you don't have a Bible? Don't you know? But that's not what I did. 
I said, well, do you think there's any place where there may be a Bible? And she said, well, we have a library. Maybe there's one in the library. So we go to the library. We look way up on the top shelf, way back in the corner, just like the days of Josiah. We find the Bible. We dust it off. I bring it down, and I get talking to the woman. I go, oh, this is very nice. This is a New International version of the Bible. This is a very readable Bible. Thank you. I'll be able to use this. And the secretary says to me, you know, I've been thinking about buying a Bible myself. I said, this is a great one to buy. Just write this down, go to the local bookstore, and I think it'd be a good idea. You could, you could find one. That's being a prophet in today's world. That's realizing that I could have ranted and railed. That would have done me no good. I, maybe they would have kicked me out of their building. But to realize that we do live in a world that's much like the days of King Josiah. We live in a time in which, I'm sorry, folks, if you're a typical Christian, which we are all typical Christians here, you may be the only Christian that a lot of people that you know have a relationship with, and you may be the only Bible that some people in your lives will ever read. And that's the world that we live in. So as we look at this story of Huldah and how they go and talk to her, and she's this person who's been praying for the nation, she's been the person who's been faithful to God, we come across a person whose life is much like how we're supposed to live our lives. And like Huldah, we are God's prophets. Only what I'm going to suggest is in a grandparenting kind of way. It's not to be in your face. It's not to be yelling at people or putting people down. It's to be in a way in which we become helpful and we can make a difference in this world. The first thing we learn from Huldah is to learn to pray and wait for God. Because you see, that's what she was doing. She knew that there was a problem in the country. She knew that there were people who didn't know God. She knew that she was living in a time when they didn't know the Scriptures. In fact, the high priest didn't even know where to find the Bible. He didn't even know what the Scriptures were. She was aware of that, but she was a person who was praying for people and holding them in prayer. Verses 8 and 14 of our text, we hear these words. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I found a book of the law in the house of the Lord. So then, verse 14, Hilkiah the priest went to Huldah the prophetess, and they went and they talked to her. You see, Huldah had been biding her time while biting her tongue. That's what we have to do a lot of times as Christians. We bide our times, we pray for others, and we do this. My mother used to say, bite your tongue. We see things we don't like. Amen? We see stuff in our world that makes no sense to us how people are living like that. And we think, I could run in there and tell everybody what to do, but we know that if we do, we're only going to make matters worse. So we become like Huldah. We pray, and we take time, and we wait on God. And that's what Huldah learned to do. She learned to pray and wait for God. Because you see, God is working in people's lives when we pray, and he will provide the right opportunity for us to be able to bear witness to our faith. Amen? Hear that loud and clear? That's a matter of faith and trusting God, to believe that God is in control, and when we see people or situations or conditions that frustrate us and we don't like how they are, rather than thinking that we need to go in and blast through the doors and tell everybody everything that they're doing wrong, 
When we become more like Huldah and we pray, we genuinely spend time talking to God and reading the scriptures and praying for the loved ones in our lives, God's going to provide those opportunities and he's going to give you and me the chance to have those opportunities to talk. How fascinating that no one else knew the scripture, not King Josiah, not the high priest, not even the scribe. And that's why we will often feel like Huldah, waiting on God. Now you may say, okay, I'm looking at the text. It doesn't say here that she was praying. How do we know that she was praying? And I think that's actually quite simple if you look at verse 15. When they come to Huldah, they say, there's this righteous woman that I know she must be somebody that can help us figure out what we need to do. What are her first words? Thus saith the Lord. Do you know when we can say, thus saith the Lord, when we know the Lord? When we read the scriptures ourselves and we spend time in God's word and we're praying and we have a family member who's struggling with something, we can say, you know, this reminds me of something I read in my devotions this morning when I was reading and can tell the text that we were reading. Or when we spend time in prayer and reading scriptures and somebody's struggling, we can say, you know, here's a Bible verse that's always been helpful for me. So because Huldah had been in a prayerful relationship with God and knew God and talked to God and listened to God, when she was approached, when they finally come to her and they go, you know, we've tried everything else and we find out that there's this, this scripture we don't even know, but she must know something about it, she's already prepared because she has her relationship right with God. That's the role of a grandparent. That's ultimately what grandparents do. Now, I know, and I've already outed him in two worship services, so we'll do it in the third one. I know that we all come to worship, and we think David's a pretty good musician up here, right? He's just pretty good. In fact, the, he, he went to college on a scholarship for, for being such a good organist. And a lot of people have said to me over these, you know, I wish I could get my children to practice the way David did that when he was little. How do you do it? And I would usually answer the same way. If you can tell me how to get him to practice, you share the information with me. Because you see, we get to see the results of what people do, but we don't see it behind the scenes. Well, there was a time when he was young and my parents were visiting and my mom was a piano teacher. We talked a little bit about her last week. And I was really struggling with David, trying to get him to practice, trying to get him to do more, sit down. And we were getting into arguments and it was getting very frustrating and I finally turned to my mom and I said, Mom, do you think you could help? And she smiled and said, I wondered when you were going to ask. And she sat down and that's when my mom and my son had a very special relationship. He would always listen to his grandma and he always could talk to her and she would help him. Because that's what grandparents do. They sit back, they wait until they're needed. They pray, they know that they have something to offer. She knew that she could have interfered, but had she come and interfered, she and I probably would have had a disagreement. In our family, we call them fights, but I'm a pastor. People don't want to know that I have fights with people, but yes, it would have been unpleasant. But she didn't operate that way. She waited, and she was prayerful, and she waited until she was asked. That's what Hulda does. That's our relationship, folks, as Christians in our world. There's a lot of hurting places out there. There's a lot of people whose lives are messed up. There's a lot of places where you and I would like to just blast in and just tell people what to do, and all we're going to do is make matters worse. And so we learn to be like Huldah, to be prayerful, 
But that means to be prayerful. That doesn't mean we ignore situations. It means we work on our relationship with God, we pray for others, and when the opportunity comes to us, we share what God has done in our lives and, and how we can help. But that's not the only thing we learn about Huldah. When they do come and talk to this woman, she learned what we need to learn. We need to be prepared to talk about relationship. Because let's be honest, if you lived in the time of Josiah, oh, that's right, guess what? You do live in the time of Josiah. That's our world. Unfortunately, that's the state of churches. That's the state of our country. That is the world that we live in. Amen? I'm going to say it again. That's the world we live in. Amen? We do not live in a world where everybody is faithfully living for God. We live in a world that is struggling and hurting, and there's all kinds of issues out there. And what we need to learn to do is to be prepared to talk about relationship, about God's love for them and God's plan and God's purpose in our lives and the way in which God works in our hearts. And that's exactly what happens with Huldah. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. Remember, they've come to her and they've said, we found this scripture, we're reading it, and the Bible seems to be telling us that if we live the wrong way, things are going to go wrong and things are going wrong. Do you think, Huldah, this may be what our problem is? And here's Huldah's response. So tell the man who sent you, which is the king, thus says the Lord. Behold, I'll bring disaster on this place and all its inhabitants. All the words of the book of the king of Judah has read are true. Do you hear what she does? She first says, yes, I'll answer your question. Yeah, you're reading the scriptures and, and you found the Bible and it tells you that if you're not living for God and you're living a self-absorbed, self-centered life and you're sacrificing to idols in the temple, yeah, things aren't going to go well for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what the Bible teaches. She just straight out answers that question. And then she says, why? Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods. You see, Huldah shared what she knew. Things are getting worse, she said. Yeah, things are really messed up in this country. Yep, the temple's in a problem. Yes, the high priest is not living for God because people's hearts are in the wrong place. People aren't living for the Lord is what she says. In fact, she makes it really clear. People are doing bad things all because people's hearts are in the wrong place. You see, Huldah knew that our behavior is important, but our hearts are even more important. Do you hear that? Huldah knew that our behavior is important, but our hearts are even more important. We see how people live, and we get frustrated, and we want to tell people how they live. Huldah says, let's stop talking about how people live. Let's talk about their hearts. Let's talk about their relationship with God. Because if all we do as Christians is we go into our world and we see our family, our friends, people doing things that we say they shouldn't be doing, we're missing the whole point. It's about a relationship with Jesus, amen? It is about a relationship with Christ. And that's what Huldah says. She says, yes, they forsake God. And now look at the bad things that are coming out of that. Biblical prophets are very clear. God cares about our relationship with him. God cares about our hearts being in the right place. 
when our hearts are in the right place, our actions will follow. When I'm living for God and I'm trusting God and I'm in a good place with God, then the ways in which I behave and act are going to follow accordingly. And when people in our lives are struggling, if all we can do is crab at them about something that we think that they're doing wrong, we're missing the whole reason why wrong behavior is happening in the first place. Every good grandparent knows the same thing. Parents say to a child, you need to do your homework. If you don't get your homework done, you're going to flunk this class, you're going to have to retake the class, and I'm going to ground you. And the kid gets all upset. Grandparents in the other room, and the child walks in and says, they're making me do things I don't want to do. My mom and dad hate me, and I don't love them either. Now, the grandparent could be a bad grandparent and say, you need to go do your homework. But that's not how grandparents respond. We go to the heart of the matter. You don't feel like that about your parents. They love you, and you love them. You see, because grandparents understand, as my parents understood, that it was about the relationship I had with my children and the behavior would follow. When we understand that it's about relationships and about a heart thing, then grandparents don't try to correct kids' behavior. Grandparents just point the kids to the fact that they've got loving parents and they love their parents, and now everybody's going to get along with each other. That's why Grandma Hulda reminded the people of Judah it was all about their hearts. Today we will see actions we don't like. We'll go to the store. We'll see people living the way we don't want them to live. They'll be doing things that are self-centered. They'll be doing things that are self-absorbed. We'll go to a store, and the sign says 12 items, and somebody's got 20 items, and we go, how can they do that? And it's easy. They're self-centered. It's not a problem. The Bible teaches us that. When our hearts are in the wrong place, our actions follow. We can get mad at somebody, and we can say, I just came to Faith Community Church, and I am in a hurry, and I can't believe you've got 20 items in this 12-item line. Get out of here, and all we've done is made a mess of things and made things worse. Grandma Hulda teaches us to help people look at their hearts, to pray for people. And when we see people in our lives that are struggling, to point them to a loving God who cares about them. Criticizing behavior just makes us act like the world. And how often has a church done that, folks? How often have we just become one more talking voice, just telling everybody what we think they do wrong, never acting like we care about people's hearts and caring about their relationship with God, when what we should be doing is bearing witness to the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus that's second to none. And we get to know the creator of the universe who cares for us and cares for them. And so we pray for people and we seek to help them understand their relationship. The thing is, Hulda is not talking to people who are not of faith. She's also talking to people who are of the faith. And that's also important for us to understand. Because when we talk about relationship, and we become the Hulda grandparent prophet of our day, please remember, that's just not about our non-Christian family and friends. That's about how we talk to one another, too. I was having a tough day, which happens pretty much every day, um, and I was frustrated with something, and I was over here at the church, and I got all upset and was talking to somebody, and they said these very kind words to me. Have you prayed about it, Pastor Stan? You see, it's about a relationship. 
Now, the person could have told me what I was doing wrong or what somebody else was doing wrong or how the problem could have been fixed, but that's not what the issue is. The issue is our relationship with God. Are we praying? Are we reminding other people to pray? Are we understanding that our role as Christians into our world is to bear witness to an awesome relationship that we have with God that others can have? That's why Hulda's a grandma. And that's how she learns to talk to people. And that's why she becomes effective. And honestly, folks, that's why they felt safe going to talk to her. If this woman had been out there criticizing everybody and putting everybody down, they never would have gone to her in the first place. But good old Grandma Hulda, the prophet who reminds us how to build relationships, also reminds us of one last thing. The first, we need to learn to be prayerful and get our own house in order and our own relationship right with God so that we do have a faith to share with others. And secondly, we do need to be able to help other people understand that God wants to have a deep and abiding relationship with them. Hi, honey. Never apologize for a child wanting to be in church and having fun here. But the last thing is we need to be confident in sharing the good news. Hear that? Grandma Hulda was confident that it was about good news. What does the gospel mean? What kind of news? Good news. What kind of news? news. Not bad news. We're not the bearers of bad news in our world. We're the bearers of good news in this world. We serve an awesome, loving, sovereign God who created this world out of love. Because God wanted a relationship. Yeah, we mess up and we go the wrong way and we call that sin and and our hearts can do some pretty bad things left to our own devices. And yes, the things in the scripture are true that if we live according to our own self-centered sinful desires, we will hurt ourselves and one another and will offend God. But that's not the good news. The good news is that God comes to seek and to save the lost. Jesus gave his life for us. Forgiveness is offered to us. God always gives us another chance. Amen? That's good news. And that's what Grandma Hulda says. She says, and we look at verses 18 through 20, but you, O king of Judah, the one who sent to inquire the Lord, say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and its inhabitants, because you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I've also heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you one day to your father's And when you shall be gathered to your grave, you shall go in peace, and your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring. You see, Huldah was very clear that Josiah, and I will quote the text, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before God, therefore, things are going to go well for you, King Josiah. God's not here to punish people and to make life awful for people. God's a loving God. You've you've turned your life around. You've given your life to God. God's going to bless you. You're going to have a happy life. Things are going to go well for you. This is good news. Yes, Judah was going in the wrong place and going in the wrong direction, but there was time to change. And that's what we constantly need to be sharing with people. Yeah, 
Yeah, things can be really messed up around us. Yes, people can be living in ways that we don't understand. Yes, self-centered living doesn't lead to something good. But that's not our message. Our message is that God is a sovereign and loving and forgiving God, slow to anger, rich in rewarding and grace, and waiting for people to turn. And if we share that news with people, people have an opportunity right now today to change their lives. Once again, Hulda was a loving grandparent. She didn't say, you guys need to be concerned about your kingdom. She said, God's going to bless this kingdom. You don't have to worry that life is going to be awful for Judah. God's going to bless Judah. For you, O king, you've given your, your heart to God. You're going to have a great kingdom. You're going to have a great years. Josiah becomes one of the great reformers in the Old Testament. All because this woman testifies to the good news of what God is doing. Which again got me thinking of grandparents. That's what grandparents do. Our role is to try to explain to our grandchildren that everything's going to be okay. Because the world can be a scary and a difficult place. Now, years ago, I was just a little kid. I was probably my granddaughter Ruby's age. When my grandmother came to visit, and I had a hard time sleeping at night. And my grandmother said she would lay down with me. And she laid in the bed. And now, you have to understand, my grandmother was only about this tall. So I couldn't have been very big for the next thing to happen. When I couldn't sleep, she whispered to me, would you like me to hold your foot? And she held my foot. And I went to sleep. And the next night, it came time for me to go to bed, and my grandmother, I wanted her to lay down with me, and she laid down with me, she held my foot, and I fell asleep. It's still a comforting thought that I can remember. My grandmother just reaching down, honey, everything's going to be okay. Good news. Get it? Good news. You're safe. Well, this last weekend, David and Laura had tickets to a Christian concert, Maverick City, up in Boston. Nobody planned on the storm that we were going to get. But we had it all worked out where our little Ruby was going to stay with us and Henry was going to stay with Busha, the, Laura's mom, or the grandmother. And of course, everything was mixed up this last week. So it's Friday night and we still don't have power on until 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, power comes on. Our house is freezing cold. But Regina and I say, no, nope, we're going to bring Ruby to our house like we originally planned. We pack her in the car. We pick her up from David and Laura's. We drive her to our house. And we don't have a lot of food, but we fix dinner because... Everything had gone bad in the house and we'd thrown stuff out, but we had a little bit of food and we had a nice meal and everything's good and it's time for Ruby to go to bed and Ruby slept at her house a number of times. She's even had a sleepover at her house. And so Regina's taking her, putting her to bed and everything is going well and now I've gone downstairs so Regina can finish up all the bedtime and even takes a picture of Ruby holding her teddy bear, a little blanket around her, smiley face. Ruby lays down, sound asleep, everything's great. Remember we had a storm this last week? Power went out. Well, I guess our smoke detectors like went on battery power. So at midnight, our smoke detectors decided it would be a good idea to let us know that they needed to be changed, and a blaring started going through our house. <coughs> woke up the neighborhood, or at least it woke up Ruby. And now we have a terrified granddaughter. 
She's screaming and crying and sobbing. And we come up and we hold her. And she's like, my house now. And we're like, honey, yeah, no, we're not going to go to your house. But I become a good grandfather. You know, I want to explain everything. So I take her downstairs and I show her the smoke detector. And I tell her, we've taken the batteries out. It's okay now. She's crying. I'm like, see those wires? It means it's okay. She's looking at me like, what kind of a crazy grandfather are you? I'm two years old. I don't understand what you're talking about. And I think, you know, that's probably like God is in our life sometimes. God wants us to understand why everything's going to be okay, and we're looking at God going, I don't get it. And God goes, oh, yeah, that's right. You're just a human. You don't understand what I'm explaining to you, but everything's going to be okay. And then she says the beautiful words, pa, bed. So she wants me to take her and have her lay down. So she grabs a hold of me, and she goes, downstairs. So, okay, so I take her downstairs, I take her to a room downstairs, and I said, Regina, I'll, I'll handle this, and she wants her paw, which, trust me, paw's not going to give up on that one very easily. And so we lay down, I put a whole bunch of pillows by the side of the bed, and she's all upset. And I remember my grandpa, my grandmother. And I said, Ruby, when I was your age, my grandmother used to hold my foot. Can I hold your foot? She said, yes. And I held her foot, and she calmed down, she fell asleep. In the middle of the night, now we stayed there. I decided I'm not going to, we're not risking this one. She's sound asleep. I checked. There's a lot of pillows over here. The child's not going to fall out of bed. We're all good. Middle of the night, she wakes up. She goes, pa, foot. And I hold her foot and she falls back to sleep. That's grandparenting. That's what we're asked to do in our world. We live in a hurting world, folks. We live with people who don't know God. We live with people who are confused and they're hurting and we have family members who are living in ways that we don't understand and we wish they would change and God wants us to learn to be Hulda, to realize that God is sovereign and God is patient, that God asks us then to pray and wait for the opportunities to talk. But when we have that opportunity to testify, it's all about relationship. People's behaviors will follow if we can quit focusing on what we don't like that people are doing and start helping them understand that we care about their relationship with God and learning that God cares about them and just wants them to have a personal relationship with Him. But it all has to be done in the context of good news. Good news. It's going to be okay. God's in control. Jesus gave His life for you. Yeah, we live in a time like Josiah. We live in a world that's messed up. What other kind of world would we expect to be living in? We're privileged to live in the days that we are. And we have the opportunity to be the prophets to our world, to learn the lessons of those who went before us, to do it in an effective manner. And I pray that we as Christians can understand that that is an awesome God-given responsibility to share that good news wherever we go. Because people don't understand that the things that they're carrying, they don't need to carry. Jesus came and gave his life for us. He gave everything. And people go through life and they say, but you don't understand. If you did the things that I did, I can't be forgiven. And we go, oh no, that's not true. The Savior that you serve did everything. He did more than enough. His grace is more than sufficient. But you don't understand. I'm going through this really scary time in my life and I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And we bear witness to the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us. 
that God's sovereign power is in our life, empowering us to get through anything and not to be afraid, but to trust and to be prayerful and to seek God and to realize that He will carry us through whatever we face. That's our privilege, folks, because we are the prophet holders of today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the awesome privilege and responsibility we have with the world that we live in. Because if we're honest, we know people, every one of us in our lives, that we don't understand why they're making the decisions they're doing or why they're making the choices that they are. And there's times when we feel like we just want to rush in and just give people a piece of our mind. But like Hulda, we know that that certainly would not be effective. And that's not your will. Help us to learn from people who went before us what it means to have love and compassion for others and to bear witness to the faith that we have in the God who is there no matter what. We know that you have not given up on us, our family, our friends, the world that we live in. And you're working to bring about redemption and to get people's hearts turned back to you. Help us not only have that in our own life as we deepen our prayer life and our reading of the scriptures and get to know you better, but help us testify to that with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.